Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Would you go with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20? To Exodus chapter 20. We have been, I particularly, have been using this passage for my Ten Commandments. The passage that we're looking at today is focused on the second of the Ten Commandments. I just sent that out a week ago in a vlog. It's on our website, auroracornerstone.ca, if you go to the vlog. Uh, A week ago, I talked about commandment number two. Last Thursday, commandment number three. Week ago, commandment number two, this is where we pick it up. And so Exodus chapter 20, verse four, follow along with me. This is from the New Living Translation. You must not make for yourself any idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. That's commandment number two. Okay, the part where it says... Have no other image or anything in heaven or on the sea or in the seas. Commandment number two, don't put anything before God, any image. It doesn't mean a carved image. It means that where you give your affections and time and energy and money to, that which you pour into, that displaces him. So it's a little unique from an idol. An idol is that that one item, but this is multiple images, things that that pulls on your heart's affections that you are pouring your life into, make sure God is, you know, Pastor Trish used that scripture this morning, seek first his kingdom, and therefore make that first. That's the second command. But here's the part that I want to emphasize. As I was reading through this, this is where we're going to, we're going to park today. The last part of verse five. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. If we stopped there, that is a very difficult passage. Can we do that again? I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. Seriously? The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. Verse 6. But. Everybody say but. Whenever you have but, it means the whole point of anything is the but. Have you ever been in a conversation? I was told this by psychology. When you're in a conversation, listen for the but. Because everything else is a preamble to the but. The but's the point. But I lavish unfailing love. (laughs) I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Father in heaven, we ask understanding of your word. We acknowledge that your word interprets itself. You don't need a man or a woman to interpret it. Your word interprets itself. But we also understand that unless your Holy Spirit helps us to understand it, it's easy to have a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation. So Lord, help us to be accurate in the handling of what you are saying here in this passage. God, We pray, help us to recover our birthrights. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The title of what I'm sharing this morning 
recovering your birthright. There is a passage and is spoken of between Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament where somebody lost their birthright to someone else. Now, before we get to that passage, because that's not the thrust of what I think needs to be said, but there's a passage there where somebody loses a birthright. Now, we, that's kind of foreign to probably all of us, maybe most of us anyway, that foreign regarding the vocabulary of a birthright. Now, I didn't say birthmark. I said birthright. It's okay to have some birthmarks. And it's okay to have birthright. But we have to understand that the birthrights, many birthrights have been stolen, rewritten, and we need to recover what God's birthright for all of us is. I'm very interested in recovering the birthright that God has for me. Birthright. Definition. The firstlings of man or beast, a possession to which a person is entitled by birth. A possession to which a person is entitled by birth. Birthright. Makes sense, doesn't it? Birthright. Every person here has a birthright. So turn to the person beside you, and if you're in one of the aisles, turn to look at somebody across the aisle and say, you have a birthright. Go ahead and tell them that. You have a birthright. Every single man, woman, child has a birthright. Every family has a birthright. That means possession of entitlement. Every church has a birthright, possession of entitlement. Every town has a birthright, possession of entitlement. Every nation has a birthright, possession of entitlement. And possession, of, uh, possession of entitlement. Next week, I'm going to share the part two because we're going to talk about your family birthright. We're going to talk about this church's birthright. We're going to talk about this town's birthright and this nation's birthright. I want to talk about that next week because that, everyone has. But before we get there, we have to talk about person, our individual birthrights. Many of you here own property. Your home, maybe property that you rent out. You own property, many of us. When you have received property, ownership of property, you receive a legal document called title deeds. The title deed to your property. The definition of title deed is a rightful claim to a legal transferal of ownership. The rightful claim to a legal transferal of ownership. It's been given to you. Now you hold the title to that deed. Title deed comes with information. When you receive your title deed, you have information about the circumference of your property. How much property do you own? You have information if there's any liens on your property. Does someone else own part of it? Does someone else have a right in your property? You're given all that information when you have the transference of a title deed. Now follow with me here because we're going back to birthright. The focus here is recovering your birthright. So birthright has to do, again, with the possession to which a person is entitled. And the document title deed, title deed comes with that information. So birthrights are, in essence, the title deed of your life. The title deed means the legal transference of ownership. Your birthright is the legal transference of ownership that's been given to you individually. As Christians, how many here testify this morning, you are a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God, you are a Christian? How many? Okay, hope that many 
be able to raise your hands, if not all would raise your hands. As a child of God, as a Christian, we are not our own. When you invited Christ to be Lord of your life, you Understand, having been purchased with the price through the blood of Jesus Christ going to the cross and rising again, he has given, we call it redemption, he has given full purchase. Remember, you have purchased whatever your title deed was, so there's been full purchase for you available for you. When you came into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, there was a transferal of title deed. Jesus is Lord of me. So it's not Wayne calling all the shots it's him, my, his will be done. No longer my will, his will be done. The transference of title deed because of what Christ has done for us. We've transferred the title deed. Now, prior to that, guess who owned the title deed? The enemy of your soul, the devil. Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 44 says, you are of your father, title deed, the father, he owns it. You are of your father, the devil. Your father, the devil. Now remember, this is, and we live in, right now, the jurisdiction of Satan. Let me just, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but just to bring, in case, different levels of understanding of this. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, talks about as creation, part of God's creation, in the process of creation, as he, as he created this world and everything in this world, he created mankind in his own image, he, in his own image, in his own likeness. He created us. He breathed spirit. He breathed Zoe into us. And he gave title deed of this world to everyone who would be born. It was title deed shared with the Father. But we have title deed. It means we, we work this world. This is our world. He gave title deed and dominion. And Genesis 1.26 talks of that we have dominion authority on this planet, this blue planet called Earth. Genesis chapter 3. We handed it over. We recognize at the same time there was the presence of evil. And we know the story where Eve was tempted and turned over the title deed to her life. Adam and Eve and every generation that would follow, sin entered into all have sinned, and from generation to generation to generation then, sin was passed on from generation. The title deed became the title deed of Satan. Therefore, the lostness of mankind for what was ours, the dominion of this world, and the dominion of everlasting life, life was lost. Thus was immediately set in place the sacrifice system. Where through the sacrifice, and you see it in Genesis, the sacrifice system was immediately put in place. The death, the blood was issued. And through that faith generated, through the death of life, life was now given that we might know God and we would not die in our sin. That was established. And then it was through a nation, through Abraham, didn't want to spend all that time talking about it. Just needed to track you through because that was not fulfilled. That was in a law. You had to be circumcised. You had to be a part of a covenant. Until Jesus Christ came, the coming of Christ, all that changed. Let me, let me take, there's a scripture here. and It's not on PowerPoint, so you need your devices or your Bibles to see this. Go with me to Colossians. I want to show you this in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, speaking of Christ, 
For Christ has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. In other words, the title deed of death and sin and all darkness. For Christ has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom, who? Christ. In whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. What does sin mean? Well, I, one of the definitions that many, many use is sin means missing the mark. Sin is not a mistake. That's not enough. Sin is missing the mark. But sin is more than missing the mark. Sin is an immoral act. Immoral act. And so in that, it was saying that we, through Christ, were rescued by Christ, what he did, the redemption through the forgiveness of sin. When we ask for forgiveness to Jesus, then we go, we are translated from the dominion of darkness over to the dominion. What happens there? Birthright of sin and sickness and everything that goes with the birthright of this world has been now, you now inherit the birthright of Christ. You've now been given back the dominion that was back in Genesis chapter one and chapter two. Pretty cool, okay. So every Christian... So I take the time to talk about that because that's really huge. That's, that's what we come and celebrate over and over again. Now, before your birth, gifts and callings for your life were recorded for you before you were even, you know, brought into this world. Gift and callings. Romans chapter 11, verse 29 says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God set in place your birthright. Your birthright was thwarted through sin. But the birthright was still waiting for you. It wasn't demolished. It wasn't destroyed. It awaits your response. You were robbed of the birthright, but the gifts, it says here in Romans eleven twenty nine, they're irrevocable. They're still sitting there. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you to receive that. And we do it through faith in Christ Jesus. They're waiting for you. Now, I want to just pause for talking about before you were born. God had birthright for all of us, before, for Wayne Lucas, before you were born. Of course, you turned to the person a while ago and said you have a birthright. This is where we're at right now. So here's what God's plan for you, understanding what was before you were even born. Psalms 139, verse 1. Just follow along as we read this. If you have your Bibles or devices, you can read it. We're going to put it up here for PowerPoint. O Lord, you have searched me. And you know me. This is Psalms 139, verse 1. Verse 2. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Go down to verse 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Anybody want to say amen? Amen. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. 
when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has made you with a plan in mind. God has a destiny for all of us to fulfill. He has purposed us for life. But it rests in accordance with your will. You must will it. He will not force it because he's a God of love. You must will it. Those who refuse to will it will not receive it. You will it. You you receive his love. You accept it. You respond to it. So when you were conceived, you were affected in three ways. Number one, you were affected in generational sins. We read earlier the scripture, and I'm going to go back to that scripture, Exodus 20, verse 4, and the earlier scripture. So just the earlier scripture where it said in verse 5, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Now understand, your parents' sin, your parents' sin, and you are judged for your own sin. But that expression where it says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. That phrase, upon their children, we come back to this expression here that I just made mention, is generational. I've laid the sins of your parents upon children, upon the family, to the next generation, to the next generation, and to the next generation. Up to four generations. Now, there's been a number of talk regarding why four generations Probably the most weighty one is that we normally live within the realm of four generations. It's not unlike you to uh, know your grandparents and your your children, right? To have a great-grandparent, to have up to four generations. So the influence of the four generations, that's probably the most predominant thought. But the focus of, I lay the sins of your parents upon... Generational sins. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will be by no means clear, the guilty. Here it is. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Here it is, a different scripture. Visiting the iniquity, the sins of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, to the third, to the fourth generation. The sins of the father to the next generation. What does all this mean? Before you ever entered into this world, there was a handing down certain tendencies. Before you came, there was a handing down of certain tendencies. Before you emerged as a baby, there were certain historical lines in the family. That's what it's dealing with. And sometimes curses. So, Remember, there's tendencies, historical lines, and frequently some curses. Now, you'd say, well, the dies with the person. But no, 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 no. actually says, there is upon you, a laying upon you, something is carried over. There is a title deed passed down to some generations. This is what has to get cut off. 
where they are tendencies of sin, tendencies of iniquity. How do you know that you have it or don't have it? When as a follower of Jesus, there are habits or hindrances or blockages that you can't get past. You've tried, you've prayed, you've worked hard, and they're still there. And so you begin to own it, saying, I guess God wants me to have it. I'm going to say he doesn't. He doesn't. And you say, well, I didn't ask for it. You may not have asked for it. Because some things are passed down. That's what he said there. Some things are passed down. You say, well, that was all covered by the blood of Jesus. Well, we're going to look at that because we understand that the dominion of darkness continues to have its work in us until they are refuted or broken. That's why in Matthew, in Matthew, he talks about where there you come into agreement that what is done what is loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. What is bound on earth would be bound in heaven. You come into an agreement, and that agreement is the agreement that you have with God. Breaking, why would, you, why would you lose something that wasn't already bound? There's something binding. And so here's the problem. Some believers, many believers, go through life, their Christian faith, defeated because something still remains. Now, sometimes we choose that. If we keep going back to it all the time, okay, don't blame anybody but your choices. But sometimes it's not just the choices. There's a generational thing. Remember, what is generational sins? They are certain tendencies. They're historical lines and sometimes curses. And the Bible says you have to cut them off. You actually can't just say, well, I'm a child of God, it's gone. It actually says you've got to cut them off. John said in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, the axe is laid to the root of the tree which does not bring good fruit. It is cast into the fire. This is New Testament. The axe is laid to the root of the tree which does not bring good fruit. It is cast into the fire. It's there, the root. The axe has to be laid to. What happens if you only lay an axe to the actual fruit itself? It grows back. And too many times we're cutting a fruit off here. We're tweaking a behavioral pattern. But we actually have to kill the tree. Now the tree is not you. Because we are not a tree. We are an orchard. We have good trees and we have bad trees in our orchard. And the good trees, it says to prune the good trees. So when the fruit is good but it needs to be better, you prune it. You following? You prune the fruit so it gets better. How do you prune? Pruning is the character development. It's discipline. It's the, some, we go through some stuff to prune the fruit. The pruning isn't always pleasant for the season, but it produces in us character that brings blessing. What's it doing? So the fruit is good, but it needs to get better. It's the character fruit. You can look it up. Different fruits, nine of them in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, verse 23. You can find it in Philippians 4, verse 8. Fruit of nobleness, fruit of excellence, fruit of praiseworthiness, fruit of trust, godly, ethical, biblical trust. Or it can be love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, the different fruit. And those you prune, those you clip, you prune, so it grows stronger in your life. But here's the problem. When it's bad fruit, you prune it, bad fruit just comes back again. You prune it, bad fruit comes back again. He says, well, you have to do with bad fruit. When the tree is bad, the tree's got to come down. You go to the root. Now, when you think of root, the root is at the bottom of it. It's at the root. It's a generational root. 
you got to go back to the root, the generation, the thing that continues to feed that tree. you got to cut that down. And so what happens, lives continue to have orchards, trees growing a bad fruit, blaming this, blaming that, or just putting up with it. He says, you know, you need to cut the root, you need to cut the tree down. You need to go to the root of the tree, the root of the tree. Otherwise, it just keeps coming back. John chapter 15, verse 2. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So, do you want more fruit? Do you want to bear more fruit of what you presently have? Prune it. But if you've got something going on that you need gone, then you need to go after the root. Again, back to Luke 3, 9. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. Dealing with the root of generational. It's come down. Tendencies, historical lines, and curses. Talk a bit more about that in a second. The second thing that happened at your birth, not just generational sin, all of us, generational sin, but the second thing is genetic information. So, um, anybody ever told you you look like somebody in your family? Right? Uh, we have a three-week-old granddaughter, and, of course, I think she looks like me. Lori thinks she looks like her, and my son thinks she looks like him, and my daughter-in-law thinks she looks like her. And, you know, it's just, it's really hard when the three weeks old. The best thing is to take out a picture and go back to when you were three weeks old and go, <gasps> you know, there it is. I was just looking at a picture just a couple of days ago of myself when I was 23 years old, and I looked at that picture. I had a full beard and everything. I looked at the picture, and, and it's like, I look like my son, or my son looks like me. And it's just I hadn't seen it, but I looked at the picture. And we have certain, okay, here it is, genetic information, physical things, your height, if you had a really tall parent, chances are, you know, or very short, um, looks, skin texture, Hair, eyes, bone structure, big hands, tiny hand, big feet, big second toe, <laughs> whatever it is. Okay? What is that? Genetic information. That's passed down. Scientific, biologic, passed down. Um, through natural. Your appearance, we call it, it's in the genes. I had a doctor who used to say, if you want to live long, you need to pick healthy parents. I have no choice in the matter. But he was like tongue-in-cheek. Because a lot of what you've got, Wayne, is genetic. A lot of what you got. Now, there could be curses in that. There could be curses. But a lot of what you got is called genetic information. That's passed down at birth. The third thing I want to mention here. Oh, and I also want to make personality predispositions can be passed down genetically as well. Thirdly, is godly heritage. So it's not just generational curse. Not just genetic information. I like the third one. Godly heritage. The Lord has inscribed on your birthright before you were born. The Lord inscribed a birthright before every person, before they were born, a godly heritage. It's good to study generational sins and how to get free, but we need to understand what our godly heritage is. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, the scripture we read earlier. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, but here it is, but showing, but showing mercy to a thousand generations. So the other one is a limited time that is passed down, but showing mercy going back, going forward in every generation. 
every generation. God has sealed and imprinted mercy. It's, it's godly heritage has been set down for us. The New Testament, or the New Living says it this way, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So it's really important that we understand our godly heritage. Paul the Apostle began to speak to this to young pastor Tim. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, Timothy, when I call, I recall to remembrance the faith that's in you. It, the faith was also in, a, in an inheritance to your grandma Lois and to your mother Eunice. And I'm seeing the faith in you too, Tim. I'm seeing the faith in you. He's identifying a godly heritage that came down a family line and ended up in Timothy. I look at my own life, and I encourage you to look at yours. Some of you here today, you have some godly heritage. I can look at my, and I can go back to a grandparent. I can go to my parents. I, I can go to my parents dedicating me as a child at the front of the church. And having set in home life an atmosphere of godliness so that I might grow in that. When I do baby dedications, it's exactly what I talk about. When I look to the parents and I say, will you set in your home a godly interference in your child's life, a godly atmosphere in your child's life through devotions, through prayer, through talking of God, through bringing God into every part of your home. Make your home a worship experience. If your children only ever get worship on Sunday, you're likely going to lose them. You've got to make your home a godly experience for your own. Okay, that's, okay, then pass it down. This is make reference of a godly heritage was passed down. Who has passed on the godly heritage in your family tree? The birthright has three things written on it. Your birthright has demonic, natural, and godly written on every person's birthright. The demonic is the generational thing that comes down that we may not know. The natural is the natural things we choose, the things that the tendencies we make now a choice of. And of course, God has inscribed on every single person a godly inheritance should you receive it. We were born and fashioned in iniquity. We came to the natural age of exercising our will to choose good and evil through Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Christ, the old has been cut off. In Christ, all has become new. Now, it says new and becoming new. Every day, a new creature. Every day, we put it on. Every day, we take on what it is to be a new creature in Christ. So we're born and events begin to happen that are recorded on the birthright. Follow with me. When you're born, events took place, and I'm going to use an illustration, some illustrations here. Traumatic events get recorded on your birthright. A traumatic event. And, and some of these I, I began to uh, just look at. For instance, uh, there could be some traumatic events are given through eating habits that create early eating disorders. Um, it could be a trauma of an abuse. could be the trauma of verbal, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. It could be mental interference. It could be uh, a trauma in regard to uh, rejection, being victimized, fear, that was thrust or you were exposed to 
All these get recorded on your birthright. And your reaction to it got recorded. So what happened, what you did back, that's why two, two brothers and sister identical twins had the same thing happen to them, but somebody reacted differently. And it gets recorded, the, re, the recording. For instance, if your response was, I'll never trust another person of authority again, got recorded. Got recorded on your birthright. Uh, we talk about the power of our words and confessions. My last Ten Commandment that I just did last Thursday is the third commandment, um, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That doesn't simply mean swearing. It means because that the 10 minutes I share talks about the power of words. And God was saying, listen, watch what comes out. The power of words. You can misline your future, your inheritance, your godliness by the power of your words. The things that were spoken, the names given, because words have power. Thus, when you read of the New Testament, they did this in the name of Jesus. It didn't say they did this Jesus did it. It said that they did it in the authority of his name. So when we speak, there's a release. That's why you confess your sins, and, and there's a release of that, the authority. And so in this, you have, when you received it, the way you responded to something, when you said, I will never trust another woman again. I will never, so there's an abuse. I will never trust a man again. Boom, got recorded. Got recorded. A birthright was established. If you say something happened and you were just so upset, how come God, you know, this person died or this happened to me? God, I'll never trust you. And so there are key words like I'll never, I'll always, I promise, take my word. Things we inscribe on our birthright. It all gets recorded. I hate you. I'll always hate you. Inscribed. Birthright. They're not just passing things that you just, oh, well, I didn't really mean it. Sin does not evaporate. Have you noticed that? The only way sin goes is you apply the power of Jesus to it. The power of what he's accomplished through his blood. It's the only way sin can go. You can do everything else in this world and out of this world. There's only one way sin goes. It does not evaporate. It does not dissipate in time. That's why he said for generations. Because until something deals with it, until something, as John said, gets the ax and lays it to the root. Until that tree comes down. It continues to grow. You can wish it down all you want, but until you actually lay an axe to the root of it, it does not evaporate. There's an old song we used to sing. Pascal, you'll know this one. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You don't have to come up yet. <laughs> i just asking you, man. Okay? We know the hymn, right? It's the blood of Jesus. It's what Jesus has called us to. Okay, so we can sell out our birthrights through judgments, through vows, critical spirits. Criticize, criticize, criticize. Slander. <laughs> birthrights, birthrights being determined. Genesis chapter 25, verse 32. Esau sold out his birthright. He said in verse 32, look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. <laughs> Speak it. Speak it. Swear to me. So he spoke it, an oath. And that oath sold out his birthright. So Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. Wow. Despised means scored, belittled. He scorned it, belittled his birthright. He sold it out to Jacob. Jacob was able to actually take it. He took somebody's birthright. 
Likewise, in the body of Christ, there's a selling out of birthrights. Because maybe someone sinned against you and you've issued a judgment of, of something against them. You've criticized and you've spoken about it. Okay, That's why forgiveness, when you go to the altar and if there's something, you better deal with it. Because what? It's marked against you. It's marked, you, can't, you can't move on. There's bad fruit growing and that fruit's until you lay an ax to that, you can't continue. And we've all done it. We've come against one another instead of exercising grace. Now, here's the thing. Remember, Satan thrives on legal rights. Satan thrives on legal rights. He thrives on the law. And so when you've given him legal access through having given up your birthright, he takes full advantage of it. Full advantage of it. You can wish it wasn't there. You can wish it back. But he takes full, because he has legal right to it. He thrives on legal rights. And as long as he has legal right to bring your birthright to the throne of judgment, he will accuse you day and night. Day and night, because he has legal right. And some things are bound up until they are cleansed and released. We call it the debtor's prison. The debtor's prison. You're in debt to him. You're a Christian, but there's an area of your life that you sold out something of a birthright. There's a tree that's growing, a bad fruit, and it continues. There's anger, and you're not able to deal with it. There's, there's a spirit, a critical spirit flying out of you, and you can't seem to resolve it. People keep saying, you, you're toxic. Keeps growing, keeps growing. You wish it wasn't there, but it is. There's fear, and you're, you're bound by fear on certain things, and you can't get free of that, and it keeps growing and growing. There's a birthright. There's a legal right the enemy has gained in that particular area. Again, you can go through, and it could be eating habit. We talked about that. It could be uh, uh, compulsive eating. It could be uh, regarding addictions, and that continues to hold you. The legal birthright. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit knows that through prayer, Christ has already given. Again, he already spoke, Psalms 139. He already has a different one, birthright for you, for your taking, for you to receive it. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.